So much to break down with the help of Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. How did it go? I know it was a virtual lockup yesterday for the budget. You were thinking you might have some issues. How did it go? It actually went pretty well. You know, I don't think anybody expected it would be flawless. They were doing some stuff that nobody had ever done before and that we hope nobody will ever have to do again. Uh, But I was really impressed. Uh, As you know, I tend to be technologically challenged. I just learned how to work the fax machine now that it's obsolete. So uh, government staff were very, very helpful uh, when I called on them a couple of times in desperation. to say, I can't make this work. And they helped me make it work. But we got the budget documents, and they were all there, and they had all the usual details in them, and we could access the finance minister's uh, briefing and press conference, and those are the basics of budget coverage. So uh, tip of the hat to government staff for making it work as well as could be expected. I know some of my colleagues did have uh, more frustrating times, but I had no complaints. Okay, good. So let's break it down then. Some surprising news in there that the deficit is not going to be nearly what they thought it was going to be. Well, yeah. One of the oldest tricks in the B.C. Uh, yeah, government budget-making book, uh, and this goes back to the Socred days, so uh, the Liberals did it and the New Democrats did it the last time in government, you you highball your budget deficit projection and then you come in under it and declare victory. Uh, yes, uh, the deficit for the year just ended was going to at one point be $13.5 billion. They got it down to $8 billion, which is still the biggest deficit in history, But then this year's deficit, so the year we're in now, is going to be bigger, so it's not exactly like it's going in the right direction, and they've budgeted for almost $20 in deficits over three years, so not much to celebrate, really. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all there. So what struck you out of this? What what, what did you find most interesting? A couple of things. Uh, One uh, is that there's relatively little on the economic recovery plan. Uh, they're still saying, oh, that's going to come in the fall. Uh, yes, uh, they're putting money out in the short run to different sectors of the economy that need help, but they're not really through the pandemic yet. They're not through the planning. They put the budget off for two months, you know, but it's still a work in progress. I, I would say that any of the projections we were given, any of the numbers we were given uh, are very, even more than usual with a three-year fiscal plan, uh, question marks. I don't think we know where this is all headed. Uh, the one thing that <laughs> Selena Robinson, the finance minister, really had to struggle with this one in the lockup uh, press conference, which is, um, remember how when the New Democrats were in opposition, they were always saying, oh, yeah, you know, the liberals are getting these great financial numbers. But you know why they're getting it? Because they're relying on house sales and out-of-control house prices and real estate. We're the new Democrats. We're going to come to office, and we're going to make housing affordable. Well, one of the reasons that the financial results were better than expected is because the government reaped a major windfall from real estate sales. Oh, boy. Housing prices were up. This is the budget document speaking. Housing prices were up better than 10% last year, and they're up 16% already this year. And as you know, I mean, we've been reporting on it. There's a scramble to get hands on a house, right, again, and get hands on uh, to buy housing. So, of course, um, BC government has this cash cow tax 
that allows it to surf the benefits of real estate sales. It's called the property transfer tax. You have to pay it. It's been there in B.C. budget since Bill Vandersam created it. And every finance minister over the years has quietly paid tribute to Vandersam because this tax brings in a lot of money. It brought in $2 billion last year. So Robinson gets asked, Simi, um, how does this help housing affordability? I mean, yeah. and she goes, oh, we're doing other things. And she, it was a real scramble. She, I think she got hit with that question, variations on it, three or four times. And basically, she had to concede, yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> housing demand is up, uh, and we're kind of hoping uh, we can do some stuff later to curb it. But this is the problem with housing affordability in British Columbia, which is, you know, people want to live here. People want to own a house. People are seizing the opportunity to get one, and it's driving up prices. And unless the government does more to create housing supply, it's hard to see how this wave is going to end. Yeah, let's talk about capital projects here, too, because I know they mentioned the Massey Tunnel replacement. Yeah, so the Massey Tunnel replacement remains hypothetical. Uh, Robinson was asked about it. New Democrats, as you will recall, basically killed the Liberal plan to replace the tunnel, uh, which was already the construction had just started when, when the government changed. Robinson says it's still a big priority for government, but that's what they said last year, too. It's not really in the capital plan yet because there's no costing for it. We know it's going to cost several billion dollars. You can argue about how much. They really still haven't agreed on a business plan for it. That was supposed to be out last fall. Didn't happen because we were in the middle of an election. So uh, if you're in the lineup to get through the tunnel this morning, uh, do not hold your breath waiting for that replacement project. It isn't still in the capital plan. And, Simi, we got a clue yesterday as to why that might be the case. So the government has this big budget for major capital projects. It, it's in the billions of dollars, of course, and it increased quite a bit last year. And most of the increase was because of a little project in the north called Site C. Right. And I looked at those numbers yesterday. Now, Robinson's in denial about this. She said, oh, that's not accurate. That's not what happened. Well, the numbers are in her budget. And most of the increase in the major project capital plan, $5.3 billion of $7.5 billion, those are the numbers, in her budget, most of that increase came from Site C, and I looked at it and I thought, gee, you know, the, the, the latest overrun on Site C, it might be crowding out some other projects because in the long run, of course, the government's credit rating and its ability to manage debt and finances is partly dependent on how many projects it takes on at one time. Right, and very quickly as well, there was an area of increase in the budget. Turns out it's the Premier's office. Uh, Mr. Bad Example, John Horgan, this one's kind of incredible. You know, we're going through the budget papers. A 30% increase in the office of the budget for Premier John Horgan. Uh, Finance Minister claimed it was to improve his ability to reach out to British Columbians. Um, British Columbians who get reached on this issue may want to tell the Premier they think of a, what they think of a 30% budget increase. Most of the money is, in fact, because John Horgan needs a new policy and planning secretariat in his office, a hmm. million and a half dollars to staff that up. 
as if having the entire government to plan and set priorities for them were not enough. I think that Mm. one needs a much better explanation from the Premier. I would think so, too. Uh, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.